At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. Nate, I just saw you a couple days ago. What's up, man? How, <laughs> how have you changed? Um, how have I changed? Um, well, I've I've been to work since we last saw each other. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. I think <laughs> okay, we saw great. each other, we saw each other last weekend and then did a podcast last weekend. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so pretty much, uh, I have just been working since then. Okay. Yeah. We did a podcast, uh, about going to see Limp Biscuit together. So yeah, uh, check I that actually, out. one of the, one of the very few podcasts, um, I do, or that we do that I listen back to cause I, oh. You know, we got some good, uh, good, got some good notes on that one. I thought, um, which you know, we don't always get a ton of feedback in general, but it seemed like people enjoyed that one. So, I took a listen to it. How did, how did it sound? Well, you know, you kind of obsessively just listen to yourself, and I go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, hmm. My uh, my laugh kind of sounded like a dumb guy laugh there. <laughs> and you're like, what does a dumb guy laugh mean? Uh, then I'm like, well, it's it's the kind of the way a dumb guy laughs. Um, so I did a lot of that. Uh, but I did. I think I, I think we made some some really clear eyed and uh, and uh, 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 deep <laughs> observations Boy, about deep. Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst. So uh, you know, it was uh, it was nice to hear those. All right. Well, uh, make sure you check that out at patreon.com slash everything elite. Nice uh, place for a plug. Also joined, of course, by Mike Spears. Mike. Uh, have you ever do you ever listen to yourself back on podcasts? I have engineered and have set up a system that I have limited the amount of time that I have to listen to any of us talk one after we're done recording. Any of us. But I made time to listen to the Lincoln Park podcast and I put you all over <laughs> when we were nope. talking to each other. Close. Limp I'm, I'm sorry, Limp Biscuit. It's been a very long day for me. Very long day. Up. But the Limp Biscuit podcast is probably one of my favorite things that have gone up on the e-Patreon. It was an absolute blast. And it's something that, you know, even though we are quickly approaching Everything Elite Patreon 2.0, I feel like that we're putting out some of our strongest work. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Nice. I like that. I like How that. about that? 
I, I turned that around after I botched the start, you know. Yes. Th oh. Thank you for the uh, for the kind words. And, yeah, we really, really hit people with the plugs hard right <laughs> off the top of the show this week. The very first episode of Everything Evolves, I obsessively went through and deleted every um and uh and pause and oh, made it God. sound fucking perfect. <laughs> and then I quit doing that by episode two. Buddy, you, you could teach your computer to do that for you. Well, I didn't and know that. Uh, I can't believe know, you don't know uh, how to do machine learning on your computer yet, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's not even machine learning. It's basically no, figure out everyone's uh, decibel and like for like mouth and sounds and actually talking. Ooh, and you okay. just like program, program out like, okay, I should give this so many microseconds. And you, it pretty much is plug and play. And then, you know, it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to frustrate that. this by doing very loud ums. Everything elite tonight. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. No, I, now it's all just all louder. No, I didn't get it right. Um, sorry to hear that, Mike. But uh, I'm dedicated to my loud ums. Aaron, oh, I don't think he understands how decibels work. Oh, hey. Uh, if you want to see Nate come up with more ways to irritate Mike, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Just wherever you listen to podcasts, search Everything Elite and subscribe. You get the episodes quickly, and I am told it's helpful to our podcast. It helps people find the podcast maybe or something if we're more uh, popular. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review, please. And I guess we've already plugged this, but the best way to support the show, of course, is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, a somewhat, um, I've seen some variable r responses, uh, reactions to the episode of Dynamite tonight. So I'm interested to see or to hear, I guess, see, we're on video, uh, everyone's reactions here on the show. So Nate, if you'll kick us off for elite. Or delete. What was your favorite thing from the show? Well, Aaron, I assume that you have uh, written down your prediction for what my favorite thing will be on the show, and you've put it in a sealed envelope so we can find out if you were correct or not. Yes, our friends at Ernst & Young will be handling the envelope. Okay. Um, my elite pick for this week was the main event of John Moxley versus Lance Archer, the Texas Deathmatch. Is that what it was? He's see he's doing okay. Aaron's doing fist bumping, but I'm not sure if it's happy or frustrated. There's no way to know. <laughs> uh, I'm happy, of course. I figured, you know, it's kind of like when you're playing rock paper scissors with someone, hmm. and they hit you with that paper. You know, you did rock. They hit you with paper, but you're like, you know, your brain is thinking, should I now go? Um, what be? Should I go paper now hmm. to beat their rock? Am I saying this right? Uh, but you're like, no. They're just going to repeat it again. You just follow it. You lean right into it. So that's what I've done. I've gone back to Nate would pick the main event, and I was right. Glad to hear it. Um, I am very good at rock, paper, scissors, I have to say. Oh, wow. But I thought uh, really a, a, a match that capped off the show in a pleasant way, sent everybody home happy, uh, had a, I think, surprising result. Did I? Hmm. I might have been on the show last week saying there was no chance Lance Archer wins this match. Did that happen? That sounds... <laughs> That sounds like I might have done that. Who knows? I don't listen back to the show, um, as we know. But they went, I think, above and beyond. What I really enjoyed in particular about this match uh, was <laughs> I really don't like when there is an element in a match that is 
like actually dangerous so that all the guys kind of have to tiptoe around it and you can you can see this happening um for an example there, there was i think a pandemic era match where somebody was threatening Hiromu with uh, an electric razor because he's like i'm going to shave your head like a young boy right and because they had an actual electric razor in there you, they kind of had to like do this little foe struggling like oh no i'm i'm gonna come at you with the razor and it's just you know a half step slower than everything else in wrestling and you're like okay you're fucking exposing how slow this is uh that did not occur in this match they had a fork in this match and every time they employed this fork uh of course because you know they could do so safely they were fucking teeing off on each other with this fork and it looked great uh you got the color you got the barbed wire you got the big spots and you got a huge crowd reaction and they had lance archer go over win the title in his hometown home state um which is you know uh, just a nice little piece of booking lance archer probably needed a win to really legitimize him in this promotion he's been somebody that they've for the most part successfully heated up from time to time but always you know failed in the big match uh so i think this was a pretty good time to kind of swerve a little bit and go no we're going to give lance archer a big win over a top guy give him a title in this company and another company uh and you know it doesn't really even hurt moxley either because you know, you can say Lance Archer had the home field advantage being in his hometown. Uh, you know, they they covered Moxie a little bit saying, oh, I think he's trapped in the barbed wire. So, you know, that gives him a little protection. Uh, and it really, you know, put a nice peak on the end of this show uh, when it didn't really have another match on this show to sort of be a be a strong point or be a calling card. Yeah, this was a this was a show overall that there was a lot of stuff that amused me and I had a good time watching, but wasn't necessarily like the stuff that you come away from a show going like, oh yeah, I'm gonna remember that this show had Chris Jericho just doing a Frankensteiner off the top rope and looking really good out of it. It needed something like this, and for Lance Archer who like made that on about like he's someone that they've been very successful and building up, but he kind of needed the legitimizing one and John Moxley really is as legitimizing one as you can get outside of defeating Kenny Omega. So it put over him huge in the Metroplex. Uh, the crowd was went really insane for this when the crowd was kind of up and down all show. I would say that this crowd probably was more in line with Miami than the show last week in Cedar Park, I would say. But uh, this match rocked. It just They were willing to go for it. I mean, the fact that... like. Archer came out with kendo sticks and immediately like they were going at it there. And then Archer using a plant in the crowd was just fantastic as well. Just do you think his name it. was Mitch? Mitch plant. <laughs> oh, wait, is that the name of the plant in the Ambrose asylum? Did I explain yes, your joke? You did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, th this was just a blast of a match and exactly what Archer needed. And you know, it's going to, this kind of frees up Moxley in a way that's kind of fascinating as well. So I think this was a home run for, across the board for everyone. Yeah, it was an example of like how some uh, death matches, or not really death match, but like violent matches in AW succeed and some fail. And the answer, as always, is how legitimately violent does the match seem? And so you had the fork as they mentioned, and they didn't fuck around with it. That part uh, at the end where Archer was slamming it into Moxley's head, you could see it like catching on his forehead. <laughs> that was great. 
the I was really nervous when they brought the barbed wire out because I remembered how that sucked from the what Omega Janela match. I believe that's who had the yeah. I remember the mostly a lot of foot stuff in that match. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, I don't foot... remember the barbed wire sucking necessarily. It, it was like foot stuff into the barbed wire. That they kept on like trying to do atomic drops onto it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't remember being crazy about it, but here you had first of all like the great bump through the tables, but then you could see Mox liter literally stuck in the barbed wire. It was uh, in his flesh, and then just you know that choke slam on the on the two chairs which is like an easy spot but oh, it's like yeah. something that you know fucking hurts so i thought they veered toward the right kind of violence in this match and made it believable uh but it also sets up for me at least pretty high expectations going into the nick gage chris jericho match uh <laughs> for next week that they will have to top this in some way yeah i i wouldn't... I'm sorry. The Nick Gage Chris Jericho match. <laughs> Just wanted to say it again. I don't Nick I don't... Gage and the Painmaker. You're right. Chris oh, that's right. Yeah. The good good correction. Um, I also the I totally forgot about that chair spot somehow. Um, so that you know goes to show that they had that packed full of ideas and full of big violent stuff that they were going to do. Uh, I also just want to take a moment and like appreciate how like robust and uh consistent and productive this like new japan relationship is now <laughs> you know we there was remember, you go back to the days where we were like speculating about the forbidden door on here and you know other people would be like oh it's never happening there's not gonna you know new japan's too pissed at them because they left and all this stuff uh and that's just you know all been utterly erased at this point uh they're setting up a new japan talent in hikuleo to be the challenger for lance archer next um, with the Bullet Club shirt, and of course, he's the the brother of the uh, Gorillas of Destiny, who you know had been trying to do some angle or shoot angle or something with the Elite uh, for what seems like years now. Um, but it's just pretty cool and pretty novel to be like, yeah, no, New Japan belt's going to be defended on this show. Uh, it's actually going to change hands on this show, uh, and then they're going to set up another New Japan guy next week to be the, the first challenger for the new champion. Uh, and then, you know, there's going to be AEW presence on the New Japan show in L.A. And it's just like, hey, this is to everyone's benefit. It's certainly to New Japan's benefit right now, who, you know, has to deal with the uh, clap crowds and worst COVID conditions in Japan. So, you know, they've got a little uh, got a little spark from AEW here to to make sure that they've still got uh, interest in the West, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Now, of course, COVID has intervened, but I think it was my take at the time that a the AEW New Japan partnership was uh, vital for New Japan in the West because the New Japan tours in the West before COVID had failed miserably. So I think that's proving out, bearing out that they need uh, AEW in the West if they're you know if they continue to think that. Uh, uh encouraging it's a big expansion market for yeah, them yeah expanding among western fans i think they need to be hooked up with AEW but also obviously it's very helpful for AEW because the people who like AEW mostly like new japan and those people coming over to AEW create some excitement even if it's not more people tuning in i i agree with mike that probably people who are going to tune in to watch whoever from New Japan. Most of those people already watch AEW, but it creates more buzz yeah. and more excitement in the building, if nothing else. Yeah, and they called that out specifically as stuff they wanted to do. Like, even if you're not necessarily adding viewers by putting Hikuleo on the show, you just 
you make your viewers that are there more enthusiastic about it and more happy about it. And, you know, that's going to that's going to trickle down, I think, eventually to be like, oh, AEW has good word of mouth with wrestling fans. They do stuff that's exciting and, uh, you know, novel and uh, all those things, which will, you know, create sort of a positive brand association. All right, Mike, your pick for uh, the most elite thing on the show this week. Well, I mean, if we're talking about positive brand associations, Nate, there's probably no person in at least North America independent wrestling who has the positive brand. Uh, I completely forgot what you, association. That's it. Positive <laughs> brand association. The PBA, yeah. The PBA, yeah. I mean, brought to you by Miller High Life. But uh, Nick Gage. Nick Gage coming out and being the secret second leader labor of Jericho in a no rules match next week. And it's just something that, I mean, there was talk that of him being in the original casino battle Royal to, or last year. So the second casino battle Royal, obviously he had his Achilles issue and like this. And then with like dark side of the ring, giving him more exposure than ever. The, the real fact that he's kind of the closest thing to like a, independent wrestling folk here at this point and having him come out on dynamite after they were using like independent stars during the Cody AEW title ring or the TNT title reign. And then like kind of showing that they could do this on the road and, and come back to this, I think is really kind of exciting. And now we're faced with the proposition of, Oh, Nick Gage on national television. That's wild. That's something that 18 months ago, would have been a fever dream and it's just really exciting and it's and, and the even the way that MJF kind of presented it I felt like was really exciting and it instantly now makes the Charlotte show really like sneakily they've built up the show into being a monster one next week yeah I mean this was extremely cool extremely cool to see uh you know as a fan of Nick Gage uh and yeah they did I think set the table for it really well the you know, MJF, of course, being a guy who's been through GCW and, uh, you know, uh, through beyond and stuff. So it, you know, kind of makes logical sense that he can make that call and bring in Nick Gage to fight, uh, you know, first ballot wrestling observer hall of famer, Chris Jericho in a hardcore match, uh, on national television. It's this was, we discussed Nick Gage is like, Oh, could they bring Nick Gage in like before the first show on this promotion even happened? I feel like, I'm pretty sure I said no. I'm pretty sure I was just like, no, because yeah. you, you can't do Nick Gage uh, without doing, you know, the ultra violence or whatever. And you can't do that on TNT. I think <laughs> uh, I've just been proven wrong about what TNT is willing to do on their television because uh, they have blood and, you know, barbed wire and tacks up on seemingly every episode of the show. Uh, so it, it's very cool to see that come to fruition. And of course we did. Yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, they had originally planned for him to be in the casino battle Royale and that didn't work out. Um, so it's just, it, you know, it's a, it's an impossible, I don't know about dream match. It's an impossible. I wouldn't say freak show match. It's just a crazy wrestling match that, you know, we'll remember as like a log line probably forever. Uh, I do. I know he got pulled from a show recently because, uh, you know, he was beat up from his his steady schedule of death matches and the toll, you know, that can take on a guy. Um, so I do hope that, you know, maybe that was in 
anticipation or preparation of this or something and you know he can get right and be in a a, a good state to to go and go and have a a great match and show what he's all about with chris jericho i think that'd be just awesome to see him kind of get his roses in his career at this point does this feel to you guys like like a one-off or do we think nick gage is coming to AEW? i think it's a one-off if yeah it feels like like a jeff cobb kind of one-off um but you know i think we've seen with tony that if tony sees a guy and likes a guy like, hey, uh, let's put Wheeler Utah on the show. Oh, now he's going to be on every show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if Nick Gage, you know, goes out and kills it and gets a huge reaction and pops a rating, then I have no doubt Tony will be like, okay, uh, you're doing a death match every week now. Yeah, my only hope, I mean, my hope is they just sign Nick Gage, and I don't really care what he does. I just want AEW to sign Nick Gage and uh, see him more often and be taken care of. Uh, but I hope they do. Nick Gage versus John Moxley in this promotion. You know, Mox now doesn't have a title, so you know you can get away from that. Uh, obviously, they have a history; they like each other, uh, so I think that would be an easy match to do. Well, I mean, they've been doing angles for it on GCW shows for a couple couple months now. So, haven't they kind of veered now completely towards Cardona at this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, they did what two or three angles with Moxley and Gage at GCW shows. And then I guess Cardona kind of intervened. Um, you know, he was like posing as, as Moxley for one of the angles that Cardona did. So, yeah, I don't know if that's just like it's a, it's a longer road to get to Moxley or if Moxley changed his mind or something about doing the match. Uh, you know, no, no way for me to know. But, uh, you know, the, the groundwork would still be there if they want to do it in either promotion. Right. Yeah, totally. All right, I guess it is my turn. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to do a surprising one, I think. And my pick is the opener of this show, Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. Nothing I would have expected to like, and certainly not as much as I liked it. This was definitely my favorite match until the main event happened on this show. I don't know. It was like Jericho... As much as the three of us or people who we're friends with might be tired of Chris Jericho in this role, the crowd is not. The crowd was on fire for everything Chris Jericho did. He clearly fed off that. He did that sick Frankensteiner that looked awesome. Uh, I don't know. It was a fun little story. The crowd, obviously, you get a lot more grace with kind of this dumb shit that we've all complained about during COVID. You get a lot more grace with some of these uh, silly angles when the crowd goes nuts for it and you also had a, a great finish you know with the with the judas effect at the end uh maybe it leading right into nick gage helped but i just thought it was a really fun match and you know yes you got chris jericho who's one of your top stars but this was actually a good uh starting off point for the show okay yeah i'll talk about uh what i liked from this match um yeah, Jericho has a weird, funny presence now. I think Mike probably first called him like a fat lucha brawler, uh, and he was like peaking in that sort of mode in this match where it's like, ha you know, for half the shit he's doing, he, he kind of looks bad and is like moving slowly around the ring and doing like little, little pushes at the guy's <laughs> uh, upper body or whatever as his offense. And then, you know, every once in a while, he'll pull out something brilliant like the, like the Frankensteiner. Uh, of course. And yeah, um, you know, he's just reached a point in his career where the crowd fucking loves him. They're going to go crazy for him. 
it rarely matters what he's doing. Um, you know, the, the, the Texas crowd was pretty on point all night. They were, you know, popping for all the big spots and the matches. But yeah, even, you know, Jericho was getting pops for the worst looking shit that he did in this match. Uh, and then later when he unveiled the pain, <laughs> the pain maker, <laughs> when, he, when he did the big startling reveal of the makeup over his eyes, uh, where he took a name from uh, Okada's Rainmaker and did Bushi cosplay, and it became the Painmaker. Uh, <laughs> the crowd popped for it, and I could not believe it. I'm like, wow, the crowd loves the Painmaker. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I also think you know, like uh, like we talked about, MJF, you know, built up Gage really well for his debut. MJF was also good on commentary. I think, unlike me, he does not have a stupid guy laugh, um, and he's you know just very articulate and i kind of think he put jr off uh off off key off step uh when he you know took a shot at jr pretty early in the broadcast and then jr was quiet for like five minutes um but i i enjoyed that and and it all you know as, as part of the longer labors story this was a kind of a fine step in that story i guess yeah this was just fun and with this kind of match, they kept it as it should have been. And you, you, we're really getting like Chris Jericho feeling himself at this point. Like the fact that the crowds are so into just the Painmaker reveal, that's just going to encourage him. And it's going to be something where like I'm going to be excited to see like where all this is going to go with him and Nick Gage. Like, just like I, I feel like we still need to unpack it a little bit. Chris Jericho, the Painmaker, is having a no rules match with Nick Gage on national TV next Wednesday. Like Chris Jericho that we just saw this week do a Frankensteiner and probably like one of the shittiest versions of his springboard dropkick. Like the first one, did you know it's like how he was barely, <laughs> yeah, it was fast. He was just hat. He was not having it, but no, this was, this was a lot of fun. We got unprotected chair shots on, on national TV. I mean, wrestling is back and, you know, that like easily the most palatable Sean Spears has been in a long time has been his like step as like the just the goon that he has to get out of the way, the flunky that Chris Jericho has to swat out of his way. And, you know, this didn't overstay its welcome. The crowd is hot. And, you know, between like this and I, I had a theory about MJF and Nick Gage that I wanted to run by y'all before we're like we're fully done, at least right now talking about it. So MJF has shown a propensity of being able to go and get people to do his bidding in AEW. He had the Butcher and the Blade. He's had Wardlow. And, and I like the idea that now he's to like to a point where he's like going through his his address books. Like, all right, I already called them. I already called them. It's like, oh, Nick Gates is the perfect person for the situation. Like, how far away are we from getting like Jimmy Lloyd at this point? Uh, because like, okay, we can't discount that out of hand now. No, um, trying to think if they've like interacted on a GCW show or something I've seen. Uh, I would like to see that. That would, you know, I guess, I mean, Jimmy Lloyd does have a storied career in AEW, uh, of course, being opposite the hard cam when Bret Hart came out at the first double or nothing and you could see Jimmy Lloyd pop for him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it would be nice, you know, uh, if they, if they brought him back for some MJF angle, uh, it would be fun to see them like incorporate that in some silly Sammy G vlog sketch or something. I, okay, I want everyone on record on this. Nick Gage versus the Painmaker. Yes or no? Are there light tubes in this match? 
I think no, but there will be glass. Oh, I kind I kind of like that answer. Yeah, maybe they do a, a gimmicked, a gimmicked, uh, you know, uh, broken glass kind of thing, and somebody takes a bump on it. Yeah, yeah, and also worth stating, to my knowledge, North Carolina and South Carolina do not have a commission, so we're not going to get any of that full gear Maryland bullshit coming out of this. I kind of think AEW would maybe let them do light tubes. I kind of think Chris Jericho is like, I'm not doing a light tube. That's where I'm at. I am. I'm just ready to let myself get disappointed. That's all there is to it. They're going to do fucking light tubes. Chris Jericho is taking a light tube over the head next week on Dynamite. Not out of play. I mean, he did bring out the, uh, I guess everybody's doing pizza cutters now. Callahan used the pizza cutter on Omega on the Impact pay-per-view and Gage had the pizza cutter here. So I don't know. They, he kind of set the table for a pizza cutter to be used. And is a pizza cutter better or worse than a light tube? I, I, I don't know. I just want to see fucking light tubes on TNT. That's really all. We're just in this promotion generally. No light tubes. It's going to happen. If not, if not necessarily on TNT, then at some point on the pay-per-view. I hope so. Uh, listener Elite this week, if you join our Patreon and jump in the Discord, we have a channel where you can uh, chime in with your own Elites or Deletes. We'll pick one uh, of each each week. Swarls this week. Elite, after a run of strange shows, after Double or Nothing, AEW is officially back. I have to agree. Yeah, again, you know, being back on tour, having the live crowds really makes so much go down smoothly. That might have been colder or weirder in front of, uh, you know, small fan amounts at Daly's Place. Yes, I think that's a big part of it. It's just like, oh, this is much nicer uh, with fans. But you know what else is nice? Not having hairy dick and balls. The Olympics. Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. It's time to tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped. Uh, They've got the fourth generation performance package, including the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? You join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code This Is. I think that's uh, fascinating because in that scenario, if you're comparing your pubes to athletes treating their bodies like royalty, you have to think you're like an Olympian when it comes to using your your junk, right? I mean, that that's what Manscaped is trying to get across, I think. It makes perfect logical sense, Aaron. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, Well, they've got a whole thing to help you get in Olympic shape, get your pubes in Olympic shape. You get the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer. So it's not just your pubes. They got everything. The crop preserver, ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, two free gifts, the boxer briefs, the shed travel bag. Uh, Talk about a world-class dismount into a post-quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire, including... Uh, sexual activity with the person of your choice. You got fourth generation trimmer. It's got a cutting edge ceramic blade. You've got the 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on off switch, a 4,000 K LED spotlight. And the trimmer is waterproof. Michael Phelps is drooling. Just thinking about the possibilities. You know, those swimmers, they really, 
They, I bet all the swimmers use Manscaped. I mean, you got to be really tidy uh, if you're swimming in the Olympics. I'll be looking forward to seeing that. Uh, after trimming your pubes, show them some sportsmanship with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. I think I've put over the Crop Preserver weekly on this show. Uh, so you just get 20% off free shipping with the code This Is at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code This Is at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. All right, time to talk about the things we did not like from this show. And I'm fired up. Nate, you can't even fuck me here because I got two that I'm really excited about. I'm happy to go on about either. You can only pick one. No, I'm, I'm not worried about um, um, picking something that you're going to pick to delete. Um, I'm going to delete the opener on this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought this match sucked. Um, it was a big doubter to start the show to have uh chris jericho maybe looking like he's in the worst shape uh of his run uh versus sean spears who uh you know is the lowest guy on the um overness chart for the inner circle no the pinnacle the pineapple um there were elements you know i i think the chair thing can work for sean spears it's you know we've we've said this talked about this on a lot of different topics, on a lot of the stunts and big bumps that they do in this promotion. Uh, and it kind of applies to Sean Spears' chair gimmick. If you're going to let him tee off on people's heads with the chair, uh, then it's a good gimmick and it's going to have dividends for them. Um, but they're not going to commit to that a lot of the time and probably for good reason. Uh, but the, I hate this thing with chairs uh, in any promotion where, oh, I'm going to sit here and show a, the broad side of my back to you so you can lay in a chair shot just across my back. Um, and even, you know, like the from the first spot in this match where Sean Spears is like, ha I got a chair. And then Jericho gets the best of him immediately by like pushing his forehead with the side of his arm. And Sean's like, oh, no, I dropped the chair. Uh, just immediately took me out of all of it. And then they were out of sync and like fucking up on whips uh, to the ropes immediately after that. And for the first few minutes of this match. Um, yeah. So uh, apart from those bright spots that I talked about earlier, uh, I thought this sucked and the guys looked awful. I think that's kind of somewhat drew me into this match was just like it, it, Jericho really like tapping into like that, that point of his career where it's just like, all right, you're still trying to hit, do the hits, but sometimes your body can't do the hits. And we had a, we, I feel like we had a lot of that. I mean, there was, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of people on the show that we could talk about how much gas is in their tank. And I, I feel like I, I can see where you're coming from with this. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this opener. I thought it was an absolute blast, but it, if you're not, invested in Jericho or if the you weren't finding certain things funny I can get how much of a drag this could be this is good uh Nate because this usually is the thing it feels like that you would have said was elite and I would have deleted so I really like the switch that we've made here that's fun I was surprised when you said it was elite. Uh, I I cannot imagine how this was better than the Christian versus Matt Hardy match that you hated uh that this was way worse than that um but yeah, I mean, Mike, Mike, you're right. Like the the fat lucha brawler Jericho stuff, I do get a certain joy out of, um, and it, you know, it's the kind of stuff that like a guy would do 
uh, in Japan or Mexico. And I'd be like, this is the greatest fucking shit I've ever seen. Like this is, this guy's the best wrestler of all time. Uh, I actually, you know, he's, he refuses to take a bump and he does his, his little, uh, you know, shitty offense, but then he busts out his two signature spots and the crowd absolutely loses their shit. That's what pro wrestling is all about. I agree with all of that. And I just said it. Um, <laughs> so I agree with myself, <laughs> but you know, if we're like trying to be in a mode where it's like, Oh, you know, this is a W we have, you know, all this young up and coming talent. And we pretend that it's like athletic competition where, <laughs> uh you know guys compete to to better the other person in a in a competition where they fight uh and then you see chris jericho you know doing his little running forearm and you're like no it just exposes the whole thing is ridiculous so you know it, it you kind of have it both ways well mike uh, it's up to you to uh for i'm gonna have some time to figure out what i'm gonna do after i hear which way you go so i'm okay fascinated to hear what you want to delete from this show mike i think the thing and i i have a feeling that somehow it's gonna be hard for me to pick one of the things that you it'd be really funny if you're like oh yeah there's some some way that no matter what we're not both of us didn't pick <laughs> your thing and then somehow we completely steer clear and then you have a, a bounty of riches here uh this ftr and sienna ortiz segment was just dreadful and it was something that was it and it's not that it was like dreadful in a way that just was like meandering and going on forever it was dreadful in a way that one what did they accomplish there that they've been trying to accomplish each and every single time other than totally blanchard calling out for his boys like there's no difference there and then two just bizarrely edited in a way that it was so discordant to watch that like talking about upbringings and then like Santana is doing this really impassioned promo and like bringing up like his life and bringing up like, Oh yeah, my mom had to fight up against fight against slum Lords to get a fair rent and all that. And then just like an abrupt cut back to FTR ball talking about the three things I love are this tag team, my family and pro wrestling just like completely just looked like it was edited or felt like it was edited by like a freshman intro to video production class, which is just a very bizarre thing there. And it was the thing that like it came away with the show going for being really perplexed about how they've just like constantly have done like kind of bizarre one step forwards, one step back and how much they constantly harp on. They have elected to go like, Oh, all four of us have had FTR believes that all four of them has had, have had tough upbringings. Whereas he and RT's, just go like your experience was not my experience and my experience was not your experience. And they keep on harping on that as like the big plot point for this match outside the fact that I was like, Oh, these are like two of the biggest tag teams in the company. And if it would, if it worked talking about like the shared experiences and like disagreement there, then totally fine. But instead we have this storyline that has not made a lot of sense when you could have had a much more obvious and simpler one. Yeah, I do. I like the, I don't know, ambition to try and do a feud about like a bigger idea because, you know, I, I've complained about AEW stories all hitting a lot of the same beats. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm splitting up with my friends or I'm joining a stable or I turned on you because you're Cody and I'm joining this other stable. Uh, now I'm breaking up with the stable and, and doing my own thing. Um, so I like that they are trying to tell a different kind of story between these two different teams and have the feud you know, kind of be about a larger theme, even if it's, you know, uh, you know, fundamentally it's still like a, a silly wrestling story, but you know, it's kind of, 
Yeah, Dusty Rhodes got a lot of a lot of juice out of you know putting big thematic ideas on his stories and promos that way. Um, but the only guy who's been able to make it work is Conan. When they had Conan come in and lay down the law and be like, "Hey, I'm explaining what this is about. I'm explaining why my guys are better than your guys, uh, and I'm explaining why that's the basis for the feud. And I'm have some hot lines in my promo that's going to make the crowd pop. Uh, and that was live, and that was. Uh, exciting and you know that was the best thing in this feud so far was Conan's promo um, this is the second time where they've had this pre-tape promo where it seems like there might be good nuggets of content in there like when Santa oh, yeah. Santana yeah. was great yeah when Santana stands up and he's like you can you can feel the sincerity and the passion and he's pulling out these photos and talking about you know his real experience like that shit should all be good but like you said the editing totally lets it down it doesn't let us uh appreciate and feel the realness in those in those lines uh and instead we get these weird cuts and oh now we're looking at ftr and it seems like it could have been filmed two hours later uh and they're not really responding to what santana was talking about and it's very weird it it must be that they shot it on the day and they had to edit it in in 35 minutes or something and that's all i can guess yeah um but it's it's too bad because i i wish I wish the presentation was better for, you know, what they're what so that the what they're going for in this story can actually succeed. Yeah, like it's entirely let down by that. And it's just like an insane thing because like the 32nd uh, Santana part was one of the better promos on the show. And then the smash cut to FTR ball, it makes me wonder, like, was it something that they realized they didn't shoot enough reaction stuff and they came back? It's like, get back. We need to get this stuff. We don't have this. And that's how bizarre it felt, because that's what that's what it came off to me. And that's why I was like, this felt like a freshman project where it was like, Oh, we needed this shot. Let's go care, do this. Let's not care about, you know, if everything looks right and how out of places will be when we edit it. Yeah, totally agree. A real problem in this to me is that, I mean, FTR is a part of like the big bad heel group in this company. And FTR really hasn't been like heelish enough in this program. Like it's more about, Ah, uh, you know, we come from similar backgrounds. Like it was our background was just as tough as yours. So we should be able to find you should respect us because we all have the same thing. They should. I mean, I know it's dangerous, but they should just talk shit about Santana and Ortiz's uh, upbringing and their background. You didn't go through shit. Look at what we went through. And everybody, of course, the fans would feel would recognize that it was bullshit. And that would make you even more invested when Santana's talking about the real shit that he went through. But as it is, it's just kind of like. Uh, okay, you know, you've told us this. Yeah, I think there's probably something you can do there. Like, you know, they're they're at risk of getting a bunch of angry tweets and cancellations and stuff if AEW starts like treading on uh, a race based angle or something. But that is that would be the conflict in this story that they're setting up, right? Is like, oh, we both have very difficult you know, backgrounds and uh, circumstances and it's informed everything about our lives uh, and, and we're comparing them. Like the, the way that comparison would come to a head in a violent conflict would be like, Hey, we're the white guys. And we think it's bullshit that, uh, you know, Brown people's upbringing uh, gets all the attention and they get the special treatment because they had economic hardships when, Hey, we had the same economic hardships, but nobody's concerned about us because we're white. Right. Like that's, that's the, complaint that comes of a violent feud out of this thing and they just don't want to do it and i can't say they're wrong for wanting to avoid that because it would uh 
you know, you're, you're kind of on thin ice there with a lot of people. Um, but attempting to do the feud without doing that has, has made it just kind of not work. Yeah. That's basically my point. And I mean, surely there's smart enough people in AEW that could figure out how to say that a little more gracefully. <laughs> uh, but you're exactly right. Like that is the conflict that they've set up, but they just have not explored it in any real way. So, okay. Well, it's my turn. And uh, you guys didn't pick either of the ones I was really focused on. So uh, I'll just pick my favorite. And I'm going to delete the the Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose match uh, for a number of reasons. One, if Britt is going to be the ace of the women's division, and she is, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You have to tell ace stories with her, which they failed at in this. And here's how you know that they failed at it. When they do the introductions in the ring, you know, before the big title match, Britt Baker gets this insane pop. She gets the D, M, D. Everybody fucking loves her. They don't care if she's an asshole sometimes in her character. Nyla Rose, and and remember, the crowd, the AEW crowd always wants to do what the promotion wants, react in the way the promotion wants. You get the most timid little boos for Nyla, uh, and I think, frankly, it's because the crowd doesn't really know what Nyla is supposed to be, like how to react to her. Then you run this whole match where Nyla is the babyface in the match. They do this spot with the belt, you know, where Nyla gets over on Brit in the end with this belt spot in the way that a babyface should. But the story of the match, I mean, in reality, the story that they should be telling is that Nyla is someone, and they told this on Road 2, but never on television, that Nyla is the one who Britt has never been able to beat in AEW. She's never gotten a victory over her. So it's really just, can the babyface champion overcome this heel who's always gotten over on her in the past? Easy story. And that's an A story. That's what I mean when I say you got to tell A stories. That's what it is. She's just overcoming something, you know, a big roadblock in her past, but they didn't do that. Then I think that really hurts the match because look, the match is probably not going to be great. Britt, uh, look, is not still not a great wrestler, and she's probably never going to be. But when she's in there with someone better than her, she does a great job. Nyla, I think, is the same thing. When she's in there with someone who's better than her, she can always carry her part of the bargain. But when you put these two together, it's very tough. And the crowd should be able to kind of pull you through that. They should be able to make Brits matches succeed through pure will. But they couldn't do it here because there wasn't enough investment in this story, in these two characters, not to mention that they got off, you know, very lost in the middle of this match. And the crowd was kind of like, you know, just didn't know what to do about it. But all that together made for just a real failure uh, of a segment. Yeah, it was not very good. Um, uh, yeah, all, all the points you raise are, are correct. They didn't, you know, the feud is pretty much sucked from the beginning. Uh, cause they made it out burgers and they made it about Vicky Guerrero, uh, for no reason. Uh, and they had a tag match for some reason. Um, yeah, so I, I mostly just kind of like, okay, I'm glad this is over and now we can move on to the next thing. Maybe Britt could have a better match with Yuka Sakazaki. Um, that's mostly where I'm at with it. I, I, I will say despite, uh, you know, despite not always having great outings in the ring, uh, Britt Baker is extremely over, uh, and that kind of did carry most of the match, especially the finish of the match. 
the crowd was super hot for. Uh, and it's kind of, it's, it's hard not to look at the promotions treatment of Britt Baker as a success when you get that reaction for a match that, you know, like you said, had a lot of problems in it. Um, I will, you know, there was like a, a ref fuck up in here, right? Uh, with yeah. the three, um, and that was a thing where it's like, <laughs> you kind you wonder, I don't know. I hate when crowds do ref bits. It's one of my least favorite things in like being part of a wrestling crowd is, you know, guys, they'll, they'll like the meme ref. It's like, Oh, this one ref sucks. And we're just going to talk about the ref this whole match or, uh, Oh, the ref fucked up. And now we're going to chant at the ref for five fucking minutes. Uh, I hate that. And it happened in this match and that made me mad. And I was like, who fucking cares? Um, so yeah, it was, it was not very good. It just didn't work. Like, I, I feel like the crowd willed this match into not just being a laborious, just drain, but the match just didn't work. It just seems like these two, for who they are as wrestlers, don't mesh with that. And it's a good thing that the crowd was really... Uh, I mean, the crowd did die off like for a long portion of this match, but it's a good thing that the crowd got up for the finish because it did kind of salvage the situation. It's just, you know what they choose to put on TV and what they choose not to and how they build up this match is something that it was just like, like Aaron, when you sat down and with like row two and you knew that there was going to be a world women's title build there, didn't like you, did you have the thought cross your mind? Like I did where I was like, Oh, they're going to do a much better job in this three minute segment than anything that they've done over the last four weeks, building this up. And it played out right in front of us. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's an ongoing uh, problem i think in aaw is if you want if you pick out any feud and you want to find search for a good story for that feud it's somewhere in aw content but a lot of times you have to look for it to find it instead of them just delivering it to you as they should i mean there is so much content and not just wrestling. There's just so much stuff to watch. You got to just tell people what you want them to know about the match and then reward those of us who watch everything with extra stuff on top of that, not make us all go searching for the best story that can be told about every single feud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, listener delete. I don't know. I just thought this was funny. Good Drake in the discord says the guy who plays a cashier in the Miller Lite commercial who kind of looked like Lin-Manuel Miranda while I was fast forwarding. That's a good enough delete as uh, as anything, as I can imagine. Strong. I don't get the commercials. That's true. You're on the you're on the fight feed, so you don't. I get feel. It. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm left out of this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to bring you back in because I think this is a good time actually to we'll take a little break of talking about the show. Uh, two big rumors going this week. Uh, we can hit them now. The I don't know. I guess the one that seems most immediate is the rumor that uh, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, has signed a contract with AEW, according to our friends at Bodyslam.net, and may appear as soon as the uh, the show at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Yeah, uh, this is, I think, almost almost progressed past the point of rumor. Like, it was a pretty credible rumor when... Dave Meltzer said that, oh, they have a big surprise in their back pocket for the Queens show, the Arthur Ashe Stadium show. He said that, uh, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, 
said that uh, Daniel Bryan has not is not with WWE, has not re-signed with WWE. Then there was a report, I think, by Fightful that Daniel Bryan was not in the WWE's merchandising plans, uh, which you know lends credence to what Meltzer said. Uh, and I think I think Sean Rossap even said that that people in WWE believe that Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Uh, is going to AEW. Uh, so then Bodyslam.net basically said, yes, we have a source that says Brian Danielson has put ink to paper, uh, you know, fits with all of those facts. Um, I, I, that That's great for AEW, uh, if true, you know, will be uh, just a phenomenal moment at Arthur Ashe Stadium, if true. Um, and, you know, they're going to ha- have him hopefully have some cool matches uh, you know, maybe maybe a couple will even rise to the level of dream matches, uh, you know, which were a, a, a there was a dearth of in his previous runs. Um, so, yeah, that's all very, you know, it, it, it totally makes sense because we've heard, you know, from the beginning that Brian Danielson's wishes were that he wants to be able to have the freedom to go and wrestle, you know, in CMLL in New Japan, uh, you know, do whatever weird things or, uh, you know, independent things that he uh, has the interest in doing. Uh, and that doesn't happen in WWE. That happens in AEW. In AEW, they have, like we talked about, a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling at this point where Brian Danielson is going to be able to, you know, wrestle Yuji Nagata on a New Japan Strong show or, you know, uh, go to Japan and, and do a Tokyo Dome show, uh, hopefully when things open up. Um so I, I, my interest in this, I'm, I'm kind of, I've worked myself into just believing it's true and that it's going to happen. I mostly am interested to know if Tony Khan already had Brian Danielson wrapped up when he cut that promo on Nick Khan uh, about Nick Khan trying to get a working relationship with New Japan. I want to know if Tony at that point already had Danielson in his back pocket and was saying, uh, good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be kind of riveting. Um, I'm still of kind of my previous mind that it is something that, at least to me personally, I, I want to see like how the debut happens to really kind of get a lot of enthusiasm. But he is someone that, with the other person, I know that, like, quickly I've made like a term of this, you pay the tax for them. You pay the tax for Brian Danielson. If Brock Lesnar was going to show up there, you pay the Brock tax. And it's something with where I think the promotion is. Getting these kind of people is just like a no-brainer kind of solution there. What kind of matches am I interested in? I mean, I think Brian Danielson is one of the top 10 wrestlers of all time. I'm just something that, you know, he was the boy who cried wanting to have a hair match with Blue Panther a lot with me. So that's what that's another reason why I'm kind of waiting to see with this. But I think it's kind of interesting the fact that after that Bodyslam.net post, everyone else is like, oh, yeah, we're going to post this thing, but we're not going to add anything to this whatsoever, which is two things that are happening. One they don't know anything and they just want to piggyback on SEO. Like, I mean, like obviously like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, huge name. Like that's an easy way to kind of piggyback off it. Or there's the, like the stuff that like Nate was talking about, like Meltzer, Sean Ross Sapp, that just like, they can't provide like, Oh yeah. From a, we also have heard from this, like they can't give any sort of confirmation at this point. So I think that that's kind of like the most interesting to me as, thing to me as this played out is bodyslam.net shot their shot it'll be funny to see how this kind of pans out for them out of that yeah and the well the, the other person of course there's 
uh, talk that this is a little more nebulous. It's like CM Punk wants to return in ring. The suggestion is that it, that's most likely to be with AEW. And so that led to a lot of discourse. My kind of thought, well, no, that's not fair. It's not to, I don't have similar thoughts about them. It's more likely to me that Brian Danielson can be a great in-ring wrestler even now. He certainly is a guy who's shown to have enough ideas to put together good matches, even if he's not able to wrestle at like his peak level, which obviously he can't because he's gotten older and has had injuries and whatnot. CM Punk, I have no real interest in watching CM Punk wrestle, but both of them, as you were talking about, Mike, and the tax that you have to pay, someone else made this point, I think in a DM, So, I, and it might have been Nate, so I'm not it was, trying. Uh, it was uh, Double J Jarrett. Okay, I'm willing to believe that. So I'm I'm not trying to steal this point, but they made the point that these are the last, well, Punk is the last big bullet that WWE has to pop a rating, to add buzz or excitement. They've brought everyone else back. It's just Punk. So they, if they brought Goldberg back four or five times. Right. So if AEW has any way of getting CM Punk on their television instead of letting him go back to WWE, they have to do it. It's a must do. So I think it's cool. I think it would could be cool. Uh, Nate, you, I believe, talked about the more interesting thing is a Punk and Brian tag team, which I like that idea. That kind of hides some of Punk's deficiencies, but you still get Punk on the mic, which is obviously what everybody wants. So I, it definitely, like... I don't want to get excited about it, but just thinking about it, it's like, oh, that's a real injection of star power into AEW, which is always cool. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a souring on Danielson, uh, you know, like Mike, I think, kind of alluded to where Danielson would keep saying, oh, I want to I want to go and be in a G1. I want to go and do a, a Puestas match and all this. And then he would just resign with the WWE every time. And it's just like, oh, you don't mean what you say. You want the money. Um but, you know, that's his right to do, but it does kind of sour you on the guy saying these things. Um, I, the souring on CM Punk has been even more severe, I think, mostly because he went back to the WWE after all the shit that he went through there uh, and, you know, uh, all the vindictive things they did uh, and all of uh, the same way, all of his all of his very uh, grandiose proclamations and stuff, even going back to like the pipe bomb promo where he's like, you know, the fans, you guys are going to keep pouring money into this uh, company, even though it's terrible and sucks shit. So fuck you guys. Uh, but also, yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be on this terrible Fox show uh, and just totally tank uh, the rest of my, uh, you know, capital with, with the non WWE fans. Um, so the souring on him has been, I think, even more severe. But yeah, those two guys are like the last meaningful. Those are two guys who cross over to casual normie fans uh, and they go, oh, I love CM Punk. I, you know, CM Punk, he was going to change everything and the WWE fucked him. Uh, and that that genre of fans still has a fondness for him. Uh, and it's going to be meaningful for AEW if they get either one of those guys. And if they get both of them, then that's, I think, monumental. Um, and yeah, I think, I, honestly, I think like Brian, <clears throat> Brian and Punk versus the Bucks is like you cover up, you know, kind of some of those guys' weaknesses as not being, you know, regular performers for years and years recently. 
uh, and the Bucks are, are going to be able to, you know, work a fast-paced, exciting match around them, <laughs> even if they're not totally ready to go yet. So I think that's the first thing. And, you know, do I want to see a bunch of, you know, every match in this promotion is 16 minutes. Do I want to see a bunch of 16-minute CM Punk matches at this point in his career? No, I, I really don't. Um, but, you know, for the big pop when they come out, for the casual fan that it's going to spark some interest with, uh, I, I think, you know, you pay the tax, like Mike said. And, and just to further cement the fact that there are so little cards left, that there's pretty heavy talk that it's going to be Roman Reigns versus The Rock at the next WrestleMania. Like, that's something that has gone a little bit beyond rumors, like, multiple times. So, the, it, it, Punk's first time back, like, even with him diminishing the cachet, it's something that's very remarkable. And I think that's something that I think the track record over the last two odd years really has kind of cemented this as this kind of alternative. And then also something I don't think they all brought up was punk is on the heel show with Cody Rhodes and Stephen Amell. So, Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting. But like, I think that that's like, now we talk about like those kind of variables that could have gone from where at least CM Punk was 12, 18 months ago to now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, Punk didn't sign with this company, even though it was the uh, clear heir to the anti-WWE fan sentiment that drove all the interest in New Japan and drove the interest in Ring of Honor and drove the interest that could sustain a, uh, you know, a, a, a second national wrestling promotion that does significant business on national cable television. Uh, and yeah, that he didn't sign with them from the beginning is kind of like, Oh, you you were you were just wrong, or you didn't mean it when you said those things. Uh, so it's really kind of if they are signing him and they're going to give him a run, it's just Tony Khan is bailing this guy's legacy out. He would be remembered for the terrible line on the Fox Talk Show, uh, and now he has a second chance to be remembered for all the good things that he did in wrestling, basically. Uh, so if if I'm him, I'm saying yes, please God, I'll you know give me. Give me six matches. Let me tag with Brian uh, and just let me do anything to pop a crowd and not be remembered for the Fox show. Uh, and, you know, if he can get paid uh, and, you know, boost his cash flow at the same time, uh, it, I, I don't know why he wouldn't do it. And not be remembered for royally fucking over Colt Cabana, one that of too. wrestling fans' favorite uh, people, you know, in hey, all of wrestling. Uh, the The person that I think that history looks a lot more kindly back towards Colt Cabana with one hour tees and really revolutionizing the uh, revenue process in independent wrestling versus a pipe bomb promo that was booked into oblivion. Like let's, let us not forget. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Colt Cabana. You can, it's at least an argument who had more impact on wrestling period uh, between punk and Cabana. But anyway, that's another thing that'll be interesting. My only, my last follow-up is, with all these reports coming out today, can they really hold off? If they have Brian Danielson signed, can they really hold off for two months before they put <laughs> him on TV? Well, yes, if they also have CM Punk signed and they, they put him on in the interim. Yeah, he's got to okay, come out in Chicago, right? <laughs> right, you do, you do Punk in Chicago and you do Brian in Queens. Uh, and, I mean, holy shit, that's massive. That's gargantuan. Um 
but yeah, uh, I guess I guess you do wait because you just keep continue to drive interest in every single episode of Dynamite. Uh, and they go, is this going to be where Brian shows up? Is this going to be where Brian shows up? Is this where Punk going to show up? Uh, and you know, why not? Why not drag that out and keep that interest and keep uh, you know building that until you can peak it and and pay off like in pro wrestling. Also, just realized the first rampage is in Pittsburgh, which you know famously was the uh, the WrestleMania, the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania. So you know where he didn't come out in thirtieth. So uh, that's also kind of funny to debut uh, Danielson in, in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, the R- Royal Rumble. Royal. Royal Rumble, right, right, right. Royal Rumble. Yeah. Okay, was that the was that the Rock and Roman Reigns one? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the Rey Mysterio as thirtieth. It all it all comes together. The bizarre photo. <laughs> it does. All right, let's get into the rest. How uh, uh, how over do you think Dominic Mysterio would be in this promotion? Uh, oh, God, I, I, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. Well, we need another canonical Guerrero to manage Andrade. Otherwise, so. You point. know which one they need to hire, and he <laughs> yes, is doing I've... bookings and esports broadcasting. I know it's time. He's okay. doing the New Japan show, isn't he? He is. We're, we're, of course, talking about the drama king, Matt Raywald, uh, who is the true heir to the Guerrero family legacy. Him okay. and Sasha Banks. Yes. Uh, all right. As we talked about, Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears kicked it off. Jericho won with the Judas effect. And then MJF came out and said uh, Jericho's going to have to wrestle Nick Gage in a no DQ match next week. There was a Miro video. He said God's favorite champion will fight at the homecoming show in Jacksonville. This is the word of the Redeemer. So I guess no Miro until they get back to Jacksonville. Yeah, that's kind of wild to think about. Like, I I mean, he's been doing great, like, pre-tape stuff. And I kind of was expecting that. I mean, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville is, like, really two weeks. So that's not necessarily that wild. It's kind of something that I feel like that we probably kind of surprised not to see him a lot on this opening few weeks of the tour, though. Absolutely. Then we had uh, Nate's favorite match, Doc Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian. Gallows won with the tree slam. Uh, afterwards, the Good Brothers were doing a beatdown. Uh, Omega came out with Callus. Callus says, this is what happens when you mess with the elite. Omega says, the elite hunter has now become, and then there's a little, uh, you know, Don Callis helping him out, the elite hunted. And Callis says they're going to give a preview of what they're going to do to Hangman Page. Page comes out. Callis asks if he's stupid or just drunk. Page, I wish you would have grabbed the mic for this. Off mic says, I'm both. And then attacks. Big brawl. Dark Order comes out to help. You know, setting up all these, uh, this elimination tag and what's coming after that. I think Dark Order got a bigger pop than Hangman. That's what it felt like to me. Um, Hmm. Yeah. They beat the Elite Hunter, which was funny to me uh uh you know but when you have the big lg doc gallows you know he's a he's a monster you can't you can't deny him his singles wins uh ever and especially not in this promotion um i wish i wish i could i wish i had the wherewithal to do a big bit about how great this match was or something (laughs) um but i can't uh but i but it doesn't matter because i still love the big lg doc gallows uh and the quality of his matches matters very little to me yeah at first like when they first counted three on kazarian i was like well that kind of sucks you know to kill this but then the more i thought about it it's like you know what this was a fun little kind of c plot 
on this show for however many months and it's just kind of yes it's ending uh ignominiously is that the right way to say that word oh uh, maybe but maybe that's like what it deserves you know <laughs> i i think they could have gotten i mean I, I don't know that it's over i think it probably most things don't end with a nice little bow on them in this promotion they kind of continue on you're like oh i guess this is still happening so i think it still continues and i think you can get more out of it um but yeah i was surprised that he lost but then he's like i don't really care if he wins it's kind of funnier that he lost <laughs> it's uh definitely funny uh we're getting corrected in the chat that it, that was the year batista won in pittsburgh the rock roman reigns one was the next year in philly uh, but I forgot this. That the oh, Pit Philly. Okay, yeah. I forgot this, that the Pittsburgh Royal Rumble, where that did happen, was also Punk's last match. So, Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So that him. one, and that led to WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, which was the Brian WrestleMania. Absolutely. So yeah, okay. that, that could all work out. All right, Team Taz is backstage. Stark says there's going to be a big celebration next week in Charlotte. We cut right to Brian Cage with Dasha, and he says, well, that works out. I love celebrations. Yeah, uh, you know, Brian Cage was a great candidate to have a manager for, uh, and now he doesn't have a manager anymore because they <laughs> have to do a stable breaking apart storyline. Uh, Hobbs, Hobbs overalls with FTW on it were really sick. Very but, cool. But yeah, no, Cage. Uh, let's see how quickly maybe Vicky can get him. You know, do you just need someone? I like how Brian Cage is the only fucking guy in the promotion who doesn't have a manager. <laughs> yeah. He's the, the only person. guy who can't say two, you know, string a fucking sentence together. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, we, I was so high on like, oh, this is so perfect. Brian Cage is such a great talent for a television promotion. You give him a cool manager like Taz. Uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since we saw a really, you know, kick-ass, fiery Taz promo like we were getting last year. Uh, but no, they, you know, they have to do these stories. Uh, where the stables are constantly uh, shifting. So, no, he has to talk for himself now. Uh, Darby Allen versus Wheeler Yuta was up next. Uh, Hikaleo was in the crowd for some reason. Well, we would find out that reason later. Uh, this also included Orange Cassidy and Sting doing the Orange Cassidy bit of kicking each other in the shins. Uh, very funny. Darby ultimately won with the coffin drop after the match. Blade attacked Orange Cassidy. Yeah, the Sting bit here killed. Um, I mean, this is why Sting's a babyface superstar uh, and why, you know, other guys can't get to that level ever in the business. Because, uh, yeah, they do they do the Orange Cassidy bit and Sting just fully gamely plays along. He does little kicks back to, back to Orange Cassidy. They both go back with a super kick and then just kind of tap feet. <laughs> and then the peak, the highlight, the payoff, the punchline, Sting goes to do his chest beating and just kind of does it uh, with the Orange Cassidy energy where he's like, yep, beating my chest. Uh, it killed me. Sting was always cool. Sting was always cool. Sting's got to be sitting there thinking like, fuck, if I would have thought of this 20 years ago, I would have really saved my body. Yeah. Sting is getting cooler even, Sting. Yes. I always, you know, I mean, this isn't an original thought, but I always say like, the least you can work for the most money is obviously like the the best plan in normal life. And that's obviously makes even more sense in wrestling. Like the least you can do to be the most over is the winner. 
Uh, we got a video recapping the Lance Archer and John Moxley feud leading up to the main event uh, on the show tonight. And then the women's title match with Britt Baker defeating Nyla Rose with the lockjaw, which we discussed. And then the FTR and Santana and Ortiz segment. Then we had uh, my runner-up for Delete. We had Andrade El Idolo out with Tony Schiavone. He says he had a, has a surprise for everyone. And folks, it's Chavo Guerrero. Chavo makes his way out. He's glad that people remember him. And he says there are a lot of talented people backstage, but none are as talented as Andrade. The Death Triangle comes out. They're mad that Andrade has been mentioning them. They don't hide. Pac is back. Pac returns with Death Triangle. I don't want to bury that. Uh, the crowd wants to do a, a Cerro Viedo chant, but Andrade just wants to barrel through that and talk anyway. That goes poorly. Also, I think it was in Spanish. And so mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was saying. Of course, a lot of the crowd, I'm sure, in uh, Dallas, Texas did. Andrade asked why they work for Pac. He says, now you work for Andrade. Pac says uh, they don't work for him. They're a brotherhood. Penta says, and Alex uh, lets us know that Penta says, why would they want to join up with Andrade when he's not even on their level? Uh, I just thought this was a real shit show of a, of a segment. The Andrade political hit continues. I, um, Death Triangle got an awesome reception when they came out and for they sure. looked like superstars, except for Alex fucking Abrahantes, who sucks. And, and brings the entire act down. It looks like a goofball. Um, so that was good. Uh, you know, anything is an upgrade over Vicky Guerrero. So I cannot say, you know, I wouldn't delete this just because at worst, Chavo is better than Vicky. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people had opinions on Chavo Guerrero and like him as a person and as a uh, uh, a speaker and as a promo guy and as a potential manager uh, and I just don't know where <laughs> what these opinions are based on uh, I think you know if if uh, accepting a Cubs fan who's you know covers Lucha as a compulsion uh, and possibly an illness everybody else who's uh, ingested a whole lot of Chavo Guerrero content at this point that's an indictment of you not him I don't know <laughs> <laughs> where that comes from that you're like oh i have this long and uh checkered past with chavo guerrero so i don't want to see him uh that makes you crazy to me as far as i'm concerned uh but yeah it's better than vicky he looked good in a suit uh you know the, he got a good reaction all these are positives uh i will say he his promo seemed to be like mostly babyface, which doesn't fit with andrade he even like he he had a line that was like you know, pretty fine where he like kind of teased Pac for only speaking what English and the crowd was like, oh, and then Chavo was like, no, 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 that's not a, that's not a dig. I didn't mean to take a dig <laughs> at you, man. It's like, aren't you managing a heel? You could just take the shot. Uh, so that was all strange. Um, but yeah, again, this is, this is at worst an upgrade. So I can't really complain about it. It's just at like a certain point, like they keep on like doing stuff and I don't know. Uh, uh, Like, I'm just trying to, like, piece this together in my head with, like, Andrade. And, yeah, no, Chavo's an upgrade. Like, like, that's undeniable. The most interesting part now of this act, including my favorite wrestler of the company, is what's the deal with the the iPad guy? Like, the iPad guy, like, just (laughs) doing his job. I'm just going, like, like, I want to road to about Andrade's manservant. Like, that's the kind of thing that... 
you can really turn this around there get on the get on the vlogs like that's what they need to be doing with this not like having alex abrahantes out there with pack with, with like pack could have just like cut been like been like the stepped in there ripped the microphone out of alex abrahantes and, and just shouted out you're not at our level we're a brotherhood and everyone walked away looking like badasses i can't i can't believe Pack wants to be in the same room as Alex Abrahantes. Yes. Let alone be in a fucking unit with him. That doesn't work for me at all. Um, I, 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 I don't think, that, you know, do they sit together in catering? Does Pack sit near him in catering? I don't believe it. Did, did, um, does Pack believe this guy exists? Like, does he acknowledge the, that the fact that Alex Abrahantes yeah, is in his I, presence? I think he does because he's annoyed by him, probably. that's That would be my guess. Uh, the iPad guy does rule. I love just that. I hope I hope it never even amounts to anything or builds to anything. It's just part of the part of the set dressing, part of the world building that Andrade is important enough that he has a lint roller guy. Um, but yeah, you know, this is kind of I think a good course correction in theory because it does pay a little respect to the terrible job they've done with Andrade so far. Where it's like, yeah, no, there was actually a surprise, so we're not dropping that. That that was a thing, uh, and yeah, Andrade actually did want to be with Vicky because he respects the Guerrero name so much. So you can get him away from Vicky, but still keep that story element true and retcon it by having it be Chavo instead. These are, these are fine sort of course correction attempts. So, uh, you know, count me, count me not among the people who are like freaking out about this. I don't think Chavo is going to be around next week. I don't think Chavo is coming to manage him. I didn't get that at all. Oh, I thought that was, what I thought what they just brought I, this, thought they this just was just Chavo doing a promo out in Dallas. I just thought they brought Chavo out for the Texas crowd, and he said executive consultant. It wasn't like I don't know. I just I just didn't really get the feeling that he's always going to be around. I mean, Andrade then went ahead and cut a promo after he introduced Chavo. Executive consultant kind of reads to me as like a like a oh I'm I'm the advocate. Like this is my manager title. Is you're my executive consultant, and I have to have a fancy title for it to pretend it's not wrestling or whatever um but yeah no if this is just a one-off pop for chavo then and he goes back to vicky i'll be <laughs> just as annoyed oh, next week i think vicky's gone i mean i think they've they've gotten rid of that uh, i don't know it's just my real problem with the segment whether uh chavo stays or goes i always as a kid i fucking love chavo i thought he was hilarious uh, so I always have a soft spot in my heart for Chavo, whatever else happens. But my problem with the segment was Andrade doesn't come out of this looking good. He doesn't look cool. He's trying to barrel through this promo over the crowd. And it's like, dude, you're a big fucking star. Stop these people. Make them pay attention to you. That's your or, job. Or actually barrel over them instead of yes. <laughs> being like, yeah, I'm going to keep talking, but I'm not going to do it with the conviction necessary to make you hear me. Yeah, he, uh, I don't know. I'll get canceled maybe for this, but he seemed like a pussy. That's just what it felt like. It was just like, fucking say what you want to say, Andrade. You have probably a huge dick. You are super hot. You've got your fucking chest out. You're posting pics all the time of you banging Charlotte. Uh, just fucking pull your dick out and like show the crowd who's in control here. And it's you, man. It's got to be you. Yeah, I am canceling you for that for sure. 
Mike, I can see Mike cringing, literally. <laughs> Mike, Mike did a full furrowed brow, like, oh. <laughs> like holding the, the, you know, point of the tip of his nose or the, the base of his nose. Sorry, I'm just fired up about this because Andrade is supposed to be cool and they're not yeah. doing anything to like hide his deficiencies. They are letting him just like put a fucking spotlight on the stuff he's not as good at. I hate it. Yeah. All right. It, yeah. Earlier tonight, the Hardy family office came out to explain why Matt Hardy wasn't there. And there was a brawl and Christian made the save. And then Christian was backstage and he says, it took four of you to take out Marco's stunt. I thought last week was the end between Matt Hardy and me, but it wasn't. Next week, Christian and Jurassic Express versus Angelico and Private Party. I mean, we're going to get a really good Angelico and Private Party dance out to the ring. Like The entrance is going to be very, very good here. I went so far as to watch a clipped video of their entrance on Twitter. I was like, yeah, I do want to watch Angelico and Private Party enter again. I That's a fun trio. And I guess it's going to be something that it's going to be on Fight for the Fallen. So, you know, everyone could... Uh, like, my favorite thing about, like, Angelico now, and the, the most positive thing I've had about Angelico in this promotion, is now we get the great crowd shots that Keith Mitchell must have of just the dorkiest people trying to do it. And whereas Nate is nailing it dead on, dead to rights. The, <laughs> the, if Keith Mitchell had you in the crowd each week, Nate, like Thank you, you. You, the, the, there would be like the, uh, there would be the epitasis cam. It's like, all right, and Helco's coming out, guy to the epitasis cam. But the fact I that do, they, I like, have the, the benefit that you dudes. can really, you can really only see from my shoulders up. So I really only have to do, you know, like 20% <laughs> of it. But it's the most important 20%. For sure. It is. Uh, then we have QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado with Alex Marvez. Marvez asks if he thinks he owes Tony an apology, and QT says yes, he'll give it to him next week. Then it was Orange Cassidy versus the Blade Orange one with the Orange Punch, and after the match, he gave him another Orange Punch with Blade's brass knuckles. Took a big bump on this match on the turnbuckle. That was yeah, gnarly. Yeah, this was a fun little, like, death spot match like that that's a statement on what they really believe in orange cassie is giving him kind of like that pre-main event match and, you know this was a lot of fun you know i mean it let the blade like doing like doctor bombs in the middle of this match like i had a good time with this one then we had chris jericho with alex marvez and he said if mjf is going to bring in the most demented and violent man in wrestling to face me i'm going to bring the most demented and violent version of me to face Nick Gage. That's why next week it's Nick Gage versus doo -doo -doo -doo, the pain maker. I knew it was fucking coming and I still <laughs> lost my mind when he turned around. How, he, how could you not know it was coming when the giant spiked jacket is right in the camera <laughs> from the first shot? I, 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 I want to believe, <laughs> I want to believe that Chris Jacko was like, not did not want to do a match with Nick Gage. He's like, Oh, this guy, you know, some mud show freak deathmatch guy who never amounted to shit. You know, he he can't wrestle. He can't work. You know, he, he stinks or whatever. And he, he didn't want to do it. But then Tony came to him and was like, Chris, what if you do it as the pain maker? And then Chris was like, ooh, now we're talking. I can bust out the pain maker <laughs> character. It makes sense because he's all hardcore and scary and he wears eye makeup. Uh, and that's what got Chris. That's that's my personal headcanon is Chris didn't want to do it. But when he got a chance to do the pain maker character again, he's like, yes, now it's on. This was just the, the fact that Chris Jericho said the pain maker and then put his fedora on afterwards. <laughs> just classic and like, the crowd popped for it <laughs> yeah 
the crowd just like they popped even more for the fedora like they knew that it was the paymaker is like oh but he has got to have his hat on and yeah no like it, it, he definitely agreed this match because he's allowed to put on the makeup and the fedora absolutely my only thing is i feel like this should i mean they've really got to up the stakes if this is the second match in this series for jericho so <laughs> well I, the last one has to be wardlow right wardlow has to be the last labor yeah uh, wardlow had probably the brute most brutal form of his knee against one of dustin's students on dark this week like the student took it right on their temple like he's cool. been murdering people it's fantastic i just i just don't want wardlow to take another loss though i really i don't ever. like that ever wardlow yeah. should never lose i agree he should have never lost his entire career mm-hmm Okay, we got a video recapping Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes with the fucking funniest graphic. Uh, I mean, the second funniest after the Painmaker versus Nick Gage. Uh, <laughs> but the Malachi Black Cody graphic is amazing. I urge you to seek it out if you haven't seen it. I'm uh, I'm I'm 15% more positive on Malachi Black this week because he spent all day putting over Miyu Yamashita on Twitter today. Yes, he did. That was good. He said Miyu's uh, spin kick is better than his. Uh, and he's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Grant, he doesn't have uh, world-class talents like Suzume or Hikari Noah bumping for him, so you got to <laughs> take that into account. But Yeah, but he was with the developmental talent in NXT before, so. That's uh, that's canon now, by the way. It's been reported yes. that they now have, have readjusted NXT to being developmental. Amazing. Uh, and then the main event for the IWGP US title, Lance Archer defeated John Moxley with a 10 count after uh, Moxley went through the table with barbed wire on it. After the match, Hikuleo comes out and faces off with Archer. So they'll face each other next week. Should also point that was, you know, they did a cute reference where they talked about, oh, you know, Moxley put Archer through double tables. So they did a, you know, they did the same finish in reverse here, which is Moxley did that to me in Tokyo. Now you're in my hometown. I, I'm going to do it to you now. Uh, so, you know, just some nice little interpromotional synchronicity. Yes. Uh, all right, the Hikuleo thing is interesting to me because this title has to get back to people who work primarily in New Japan at some point, right? Do we think they're just going to pass it back to Hikuleo here? No, I think probably New Japan is happy to use Lance Archer if AEW will let him in the in the West. Because, you know, they, they liked Lance Archer before, liked him a lot before. Um, so I think they're probably just open to using Lance Archer. I can't imagine they're going to have Hikuleo beat him right away. Uh but then again, I was wrong about the match this week. So that this just feels to me like, oh, well, you know, it's a little interstitial title defense. We're making fans more familiar with the belt. So maybe now they'll check out Resurgence. Uh, and, you know, we'll get some exposure. And I was on Hikuleu, who's basically, you know, not done anything in any promotion to this point. And New Japan's probably ready to start getting some of their investment back on him. All right, well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support it is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Plenty of good stuff. We, of course, did the Limp Biscuit episode this week with Nate and I talking about our trip to Hammond, Indiana to watch Limp Biscuit. Uh, Nate Thoros asked earlier, was there anybody on this show that was as good of a promo as either the mayor of Hammond, Indiana or Fred Durst? On this show, no. There was not. All right. I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There may be people yeah. in this promotion who are as good of promos. Yes. But not on this night. Uh, and we also, of course, do our light show where we preview Dynamite every Wednesday morning. 
and Nate breaks just breaks down all the uh, relevant vlog content next week. Mike, I know for once we have some content in the can. You and Drew <laughs> are going to be talking about just some. Uh, I, well, I think there's going to be some DFW content on there, isn't there? Uh, sadly, we did not go oh, in this no. too. We did not go to PCW. <laughs> we did not see the International Players Club live. But what it is is. Drew and I kind of had a realization that we were at some pretty remarkable for good or for batteries and shows throughout our life. And we sat down and just kind of talked about it. It just was one of those things where like, we were recounting what exactly all happened at the Nexus Raw that everyone completely forgets because it was the Nexus Raw. Like it was during the celeb, it was one of the first three hour Raws, and it was during the Celebrity GM era. And the Celebrity GM was the A team. The 2011 version of the or 2010 for one film, the A Team in Miami. So it, it, it's a whole lot of fun. I'm excited for everyone to check it out on Monday. All right, of course we have the Discord as I mentioned earlier. So uh, check that out. Lots of good content always over at Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite, and we do this show live every Wednesday night. So you can check that out if you subscribe at the eight dollar tier. Next week, uh, Fight for the Fallen. From Charlotte, Tony Khan will announce a major new live event. Uh, there was some talk about this in the Discord. Maybe one of these like quarterly specials that they've yeah. teased for next year. That's what I'm. That well, I mean, there's supposed to be one this year, right? Yeah, I, th I think maybe even this year. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I, it could be something that's going to be bridging all out to full gear this year. That it whole thing was so confusing to me. Of like, yeah, rampage and these quarterly specials and like moving and to tbs and straight. everything but the specials moving to tbs yeah yeah so right I, I mean that's my assumption there unless they're announcing a uk tour like that's like the two things or, or their west coast because if not they've not yet done california so that's something as well so i'm yeah, absolutely seems kind of insane right <laughs> yeah no like like yeah. that's thing of, with like by the time no, it'll be like a few days afterwards because next weekend is uh, the first PBG show back, right? Like Mystery Vortex is coming up and the idea that there might be people in AEW who have wrestled for PWG before they've brought AEW to Southern California is kind of wild. Yeah, I know they you know, have based a lot of the cities and run these stuff off their internal metrics for you know viewership and buys and stuff. Um, they, they're just wild that Apparently that hasn't, you know, the viewership or buys on the West Coast in Los Angeles, the second most populous city, hasn't rated high enough for them to run a significant show or any show out there. That's weird. Um, I, I guess there would have to be some reason for it. I just don't know what it would be. Well, the good thing for them is we're also seeing in most of these cities, other than Miami, they're also selling more tickets than they did the last time they were in these cities. So they're yeah. not in it. I mean, we're still very early in this, of course, but they're not in any danger of overrunning cities. Yeah. And it's worth noting again for that Miami number, they changed buildings. So capacity differences, ah. even with everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great sign. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a great sign of viewership growth on television necessarily. I mean, you know, we, we always knew that their plus DVR viewership was getting them, uh, you know, bigger, bigger viewership than their uh, initial sort of overnights or whatever. Um, but that they're getting people to come back to shows and getting them to bring new people or new people are deciding to buy tickets is a, a great indicator of growth and, and people's, I think, happiness with the promotion overall. 
Um, and I think a lot of that is probably for the live show, you know, they, they send people home happy a lot of the time. Uh, you know, you get a, a hometown win with this Lance Archer thing, for example, where it's like, you're not ending nine out of 10 weeks with heat where the heels win and you go home and, uh, you know, you have to wait five more weeks to see it on TV. We'll also have next week, Christian and Jurassic Express versus on Helico and private party, uh, the elimination tag match, the elite versus the dark order. And as I recall, that also includes whether, uh, there's going to be a tag title challenger right. from dark order for the bucks and hangman pages match against Kenny Omega. It's all, all comes down to the winners of that. I assume that will go on last on Dynamite next week. Uh, Nick Gage versus the Painmaker <laughs> in a no DQ match. <laughs> no rules. And the IWGP US titles on the line of Lance Archer against Hikuleo. Just it's, an insane show. Just, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's just like, I mean, I know. And you kind of like, you let it, you know, run over you or whatever yeah. the right word I'm looking for. But you let it register. You let but it register. Nick Gage versus the Painmaker on Dynamite is insane. So, it, like it, it's like baseline and saying that we're like they actually put they're putting Nick Gage on TV. They're letting Nick Gage wrestle a match on national cable television. That's insane. That he's doing it against Chris, Chris. Jericho. <laughs> Chris, like, like Chris Jericho, like. Chris Jericho. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, Chris Jericho's, I don't know, among the top, certainly among the top 20, like most decorated American wrestlers, probably, oh, among, the, probably among the top 10 most decorated American wrestlers. I'm, uh, I guess I mean Western wrestlers. He's Canadian. No, he's born in America, right? Manhattan? Yeah, no, he, he's, no, he's he born. Was, he was yeah, born in Manhassett and then Manhassett. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a whole nother layer of insanity that we have not really reckoned with yet. Yeah. Like, let's like take this another way. Uh, we remember when the Nick Gage as a casino battle Royal participant, uh, was kind of like bandied about where was Chris Jericho on the list of, Oh, Nick Gage is coming into this company. Who would be the great matchup of Chris Jericho would not even be on your first page. If you're doing a single list. Wouldn't have entered my mind whatsoever. Would not have been a consideration. Just wild. Yeah, it rules. I'm very excited about it. It's going to seem insane as it's about to happen when it's happening. Uh, (laughs) Just, I can't wait. I just hope it's good. Yeah. (laughs) I hope it's good. I really, that's, that's one where you're really rooting for the guys to go out and really do something. Yeah. It's something that I, I really want to go. I'm, it's a 50 if it wasn't for other stuff going on and other promotions having stuff going on i'd be like all right i have to go see nick gage and AEW, and now i'm like this is gonna be a fight for me over the next week yeah i would love to go sounds awesome uh and that malachi black versus cody match they announced for august 3rd the homecoming show in jacksonville okay well, I think that's uh, everything for this week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. And support the show by going to patreon.com slash everythingelite or manscaped.com where you can get a 20% off. Uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the promo code This Is. Uh, but that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.